Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. Now, in our 16th season, with over 500 episodes in 17 countries, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Dr. Jason Loken, and we're going to talk about optimal health today because one of the things that I learned, you know, I went through 14 months of cancer treatments and I explored every opportunity for health for myself. And that included Reiki and massage and acupuncture. I met with a nutritionist. I met with a intuitive person who said my cancer was about boundaries. Like I went everywhere because I wanted to feel better. And once I kind of got in the groove of feeling better, and this was in concert with conventional medical treatment, I started feeling really good. And then I thought, wow, I'm feeling even better than before I had cancer. My my comment to people is, I didn't cure cancer, cancer cured me. It cured all these aspects of my life because I started cleaning up and I didn't realize how good I can feel. And I still don't because optimal means we continually improve. Like what is optimal? And that's my question for you. How do we know where, where, what is optimal? Mm -hmm. Hi, Sandra. Great to be on here with you. So, sorry, I think it's really funny because optimal, I think most times people have no concept of what optimal is and and optimal really is going to be individual. But um, I think what people are more commonly aware of is normal. I think people have an idea of what they're normally, um, what they normally feel like, what normals become for them. But a lot of times what people don't realize is that their normal is often way out of balance from optimal. And I think of it like this, sometimes the easiest thing someone can do first is even just when someone goes through like a cleanse, you know, or they do an elimination diet, something really quite basic, but can have profound impacts on them. What happens is that, say, for example, from a food perspective, a lot of people often have a number of different issues with different foods that might be causing inflammation, they might be mildly sensitive to, or they may be quite a bit sensitive to, but over time, it's like their whole threshold just kind of goes up and up and up and up and up like this. So this becomes what they are constantly in. It's like they're constantly in a state of inflammation and irritation, but that is what they become familiar with. So that's their normal. Once you do something like an elimination diet, for example, um, or a detox and a cleanse or something along those lines, and you take a lot of these things out long enough to have them no longer affecting you, because a lot of times something like a food people often have them, you know, every day or every couple of days. And a lot of times to really get that out, you need to have more like at least five days and often much longer to really see what your body acts like without that irritant in your system all the time. Then all of a sudden you get a different sense. All of a sudden people are like, oh my gosh, my energy is much better. My digestion feels good. I'm actually having proper bowel movements. Um, My mood has changed. My joint pain is different. A lot of those things start to happen. So now they've come from what was normal and they're moving more into what their body is actually supposed to feel like, more kind of tying into into realms of optimal. And 
that's kind of what people need to have. They need to have an experience where they know what that's like, and then they can see the contrast. Then what you do is you bring stuff back in. You know, then you would bring in a specific food and let them have a fair bit of that in the day and see how their body changes. And, you know, this happens with not just foods, but this happens with anything. It would be no different than if someone literally had like a detox from technology. You know, if you really had screens and you went for a break from that for a period of time, you will start to realize that your your stress levels change, you're thinking differently. You've all of a sudden started to find a little bit more slowness and stillness in your body. Once you have been in that long enough, then you get exposed to it again and you realize the impact that it's actually having on you. So sometimes people need to have a bit more of a break to then reintroduce to see how things actually affect them. Otherwise, I feel like it's just always this mishmash of kind of overwhelm and inflammation. You just don't really know how your relationship is with so many different things, including foods. Right. I mean, one of the things that happened with me was the treatment that I was given was very inflammatory and I had rashing, I had joint pain. I had, you know, just check all the boxes. And I thought to myself, like, what what can I do? You know, like, what can I do within my power? Like, I'm not an oncologist, obviously, I'm not, you know, a member of the drug company. But I thought, what if I took my diet way down, like, took out every known inflammatory, you know, agent that I was looking on the internet? What if I just started like, really clean, you know, just just try. And some crazy things happened about day three, four, five, I started sleeping better. My joint pain, like almost disappeared. The rashing went down, you know, and when I talked to my oncologist, he said, well, I don't have any experience with that because all of my training is, you know, using chemical therapy, using things like that. I'm really not familiar, you know, I guess in medical school, you don't study nutrition that much. And I thought, wow, you're putting a bag in my arm, you know, for three hours in an infusion. And then for the next two weeks, I'm on my own, like, you know, eating, drinking, whatever chemicals I'm putting in my body, not realizing all of that affects the human body system. Yeah, I really wish there, and I think there probably will gradually will move more to that, even though I think it's moving a little bit more like this at the moment. But I think eventually we will find a, a better marriage between these things. But yeah, I mean, you know, my father-in-law gone through leukemia and he chose to do um, chemotherapy and he wanted to go and get that done. And the oncologist, he kind of asked like, what about my diet? Do I need to be? He goes, no goes whatever and like it made it was like it was an it was a nothing it made no difference and um you know where i think like even if you're going to do a certain therapy from a conventional standpoint it's like mirror with how you can support the body best it to me it's just it just it's just common sense dr loken i'm just going to jump in here for a second because as we talk about supporting our optimal health i want to thank our sponsor and our sponsor today is ritual so go to ritual r-i-t-u-a-l dot com slash military mom that's ritual r-i-t-u-a-l dot com slash military mom to learn more about ritual because when i was looking for multivitamins i had a really difficult time because they're misleading labels there's questionable ingredients and there's sugary formulas. But then I found Ritual. And Ritual is made for skeptics by skeptics. With their multivitamin for women, what you see is what you get and what you get is good. Now Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is one of the few women's multis that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. It's also soy-free, gluten-free, 
vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. And they have this minty essence in every bottle that keeps things fresh and helps make taking your multis every day actually enjoyable. So no more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. So visit ritual.com slash military mom. That's ritual.com slash military mom to start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. Now we're visiting today with Dr. Jason Loken at the Center for Integrative Medicine and he's amalgamated his training in integrative medicine, naturopathic medicine, osteopathy, applied kinesiology, and registered massage therapy to come together today and talk about his book Natural First Aid, but also to talk about combining, you know, support for the body as we go through conventional therapies. For some reason, they're they're very, this is the box. This is all I want to focus on. And it's like almost I don't even want to look in anything else because we don't know if it's going to interfere with my treatment or whatever. So just eat your standard American diet or <laughs> whatever you want to do. And but just do that. That's kind of the therapy where, like you found, you can you can support yourself so much more effectively on all fronts when you start to take a more holistic approach. Right. Well, and you know, the funny thing was what I learned through not funny haha, but If you go, like, let's say you have a problem. I don't feel well. And if I go to the skin doctor, he's going to give me creams for the skin. If I go to the surgeon, he's going to cut something out. If I go to the therapist, they're going to say, oh, journal and talk about your feelings. If I go to the massage therapist, they're like, oh, well, let's rub your muscles and see if we can release some of that tension. And all of them had their place in my healing. The surgeon that cut the cancer out of my arm did me a big favor. My body doesn't have to fight that anymore. You know, the the rashing and the and the issues I had with my skin, the dermatologist, the cream that he gave me was great. The massage that I had helped me a lot bring my stress level down, like, you know, all these different things and the nutritionist, like everybody played a role. And it likened in my mind to an automobile. If your car's not running, you're going to go and you're going to look at the belts. You're going to look at the engine. You're going to look, is there gas in the car? How about the electrical? You'll you'll check all those systems on the car, right, to get it to run. But we don't do that with the human body. Mm -hmm. We just say, okay, put more gas in it. Like it needs more gas. So put more gas in it. Well, what if more (laughs) gas isn't helping? Maybe if we need the tires rotated, maybe we need new belts. Like it's just not funny haha but it's interesting to me that we would look at a car as a whole system and and have specialists for each one but when it comes to our own physical health we just take one modality i think this is sort of where you know different places it's it's just part of how medicines sort of developed over the last while like it used to be a very holistic approach and then i got very um sort of what we term now conventional medicine, which is very much based on physical reality, materialism. And that got very separated. You know, the, it's, it's like, it's not the sum of the parts, it's the individual parts. And so we've got specialists for everything, which has, which is great. We know lots right. about individual things, but then you usually need to see somebody that can start to pull the different pieces together. Cause a lot of times, you know, you, <laughs> the information that a gastroenterologist if they were open and aware of that stuff can play a huge role in say like autoimmunity or some of these other things that would very much work with a rheumatologist. For example, if you're aware of those different pieces, I, 
I wrote a book a while, quite a while back called The Top 10 Lab Tests, and it kind of came out of this idea. I, my sister had gone through, she just had her first baby and it was like challenging and he wasn't sleeping and she was, you know, really stressed and all these types of things. And she was in a pretty rough place. And I'd asked her to go and get a bunch of stuff checked because she was in a different province than where I was practicing. And so she saw her doctor and she came back and she said, you know, I, I saw and he said he ran everything and, and everything was fine and there wasn't any problems. I was like, that doesn't sound right. He said it was just based on stress and not sleeping and being a new mom, which is easy to kind of chalk up to. I get yes. that. But when you're stressed and you're not sleeping, that actually has a huge draw on many different physiological systems in your body. And so I looked, I said, well, send me what got tested. And so I took a look at it and it was like, very few things first. So then I, I basically wrote a book on this because the idea was like, number one, when it comes to conventional lab testing is when they say they ran everything, they didn't run everything. That, that's just, it's, it's like a skeleton of what could be run because there's always lots of stuff that can be run. It's sort of a very narrow system that they're taught to, if this is out of balance, then run this. But a lot of times it's not quite, it doesn't work like that. You do need to do a bigger picture. Um, they're not, they're not, testing functional imbalances. They're basically looking to see if you have an overt pathology. So part of that is then they're just not running tests that look for functional imbalances where a lot of people, you know, are, you know, op, you know, they're doing well. Then there's a big yellow zone of like, I'm gradually getting sicker and sicker until they become sick or have a pathology. Conventional medicine more looks at like you're well, and then you're sick. Right. And, um, functional medicine, we want to find like, where are you in this spectrum? Because that's where you want to start to intervene at. And that's usually when your body's telling you lots of symptoms. Um, and then the last thing around the conventional lab testing is that normal ranges are not optimal zones that healthy people function in. So right. you look at something like just something simple, like a ferritin, which is a storage iron, you could be anywhere depending on the lab from like 10 to 300. And technically, you need to be more like around 70 before you're considered not iron deficient. Um, my sister, when I looked at her, she was at like 11. And she was considered that was fine. Because sometimes they just scan through to see if, if, it, right, to if see it's, if if it's red or if it's green, right? Yep. And if it all looks fine, it's sort of not a big deal. So then we ran a much deeper picture. Then I would want to look at like a bunch of key nutrients and markers that I find are routinely low in a lot of people or that don't only look at a part of the equation, you're not looking at the full picture. And so that kind of spurred on the writing of that top 10 laptops book to just help people see what should you be checking to see if you can get done and then what's considered normal and where do you want to be? Because right. these, these are all cofactors in the smooth running of hundreds, if not thousands of different biochemical reactions in your body every moment. So mm -hmm. if you're low, you're not going to have all of what you need to make everything run properly. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if you're low on oil, your engine's not going to run properly. If you're low on gas, you know, you're eventually going to run out of gas. And I, it's funny you say that because I have particular issues with when I get all these, you know, my tests that I get every three months. And when something's close to uh, like too high or too low, like, why do we wait until it pops over that border? Like if I'm low on this, like I noticed like my kidneys after the chemotherapy, the kidney thing test that they gave me, it was like 60 was the lowest, you know, before it gets to be in trouble. And then mine was 65. I'm like out of uh, 200. So I'm like, okay, well, we need to attend to this because something's not right. Like, why am I way low on that function? Do we have to wait to 
you know, and they're like, oh yeah, drink more water, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. So I've been doing some research on my own going, what can I do to support my kidneys? Like there are things we can do to support if a test is borderline, what can we do? You know, I just find it interesting that we have all this knowledge now and we can look things up. Doesn't make me a doctor, but I can go, wow, if it's 60 versus 65, maybe, maybe we should take a look at this. Like what can mm-hmm. I do to support that area of my body? Yeah. And, and I think, um, that's, that's a big change that's taking place in, in healthcare in general is because patients often know in many times they might even know more about their specific individual situation than the doctor even knows, especially when it comes to like a unique condition or something because they can research it on their own and there's so much more aware it's a very changing world and it, it it creates i think a lot of frustration for a lot of doctors because that don't want to do that because it feels like you're questioning my authority or you don't think I, you know there's a lot of ego stuff that can get involved in it but ultimately that's what you want you want your patient to be informed around that and and be able to have a conversation so that you can field some of your ideas with them. Some of it though, is that you're going to find that a lot of things that you might find from a natural perspective that might support you, they're not necessarily going to know a lot about. Right. And, and the way the system is set up, there's very little time. I mean, they're super busy and there's not a lot of time with each patient. So even to research something like that in the end, first, they might not have time. And secondly, it's not usually within their scope of practice and they can even get in trouble for making right. suggestions that are more natural, that are not based in um, usually surgery, medication, um, and specific medical procedures. So, and you know, there's an aspect, I, I have friends that are medical doctors that their hands are tied on certain right. things. And so that's usually where they refer to a naturopathic doctor to deal with that, that they trust and that they know so that they can kind of cover those pieces and sometimes even run the different labs that they might get flagged for running because they're, they're, they're doing more than what they should and either the right. insurance company gives them backlash or the uh or in canada it would be the the um the government body would actually get back on them sure well and you know what i explained to my doctors is that i'm a partner in my health like you're you know you're here to take care of this stuff but i'm running this body 24 7 you know if i don't see you for one month one week or three weeks like i'm in control over here so you know we need to work together in these things and you know thankfully my doc my team of doctors was very supportive they they said i don't know that's outside of my expertise you know if you're feeling better like when i removed sugar pretty much during my whole infusion of uh, immunotherapy, which is very inflammatory, I reduced all the known inflammatory things. And I got a test that I paid for myself that showed what my body reacted to. So I'm like, okay, anything red on the list? I'm not going to die if I don't eat cheese. Like, really, I'm not going to die. And do I like cheese? Yes. Did cheese, dairy, you know, and all these different dairy things show up bright red? And guess what? I found alternatives and I didn't die. Like, did I switch to almond milk? Yes. And do I feel so much better? Yes. Do I eat different things? Yes. But do I enjoy my life more? Yes. Like, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. And I think that's the thing that really attracted to me. You, You use the word optimal on your website. And I'm like, I am an optimal girl because I didn't know I could feel this good. 
I didn't know I could sleep this great. I didn't know that, you know, these little routines that I've put in, like, you know, a hot Epsom salt bath, you know, certain things that I've added into my routine, they're not expensive. They're not anything other than lifestyle choices. Do I shut my phone off now? Yes. Do I, I call it my straight eight. Do I work on getting my straight eight? I want to sleep eight hours. Like things like this were so simple. Mm -hmm. Well, and they're, they're powerful. A lot of people think that we need to do like really dramatic interventions and stuff to have big results. And it's just not the case. I mean, the vast majority of chronic illness is tied directly back to diet and lifestyle. Almost all is, you know, conventional medicine is amazing for um, really like emergency medicine is where it absolutely shines. I mean, that's, that's really where it, its forte is. Does chronic management of disease, I generally don't think that um, conventional medicine is, does a great job. I mean, it's, it sort of palliates symptoms for the most part. Most of that stuff is being, is able to be adjusted. You know, when you look at the big ones like heart disease and diabetes and obesity and all these different things, that's all by and large diet and lifestyle management, but that requires you to have a certain level of openness and willingness to do things differently and then to integrate it into your life. And as soon as you do that and you make a few of those different integrations on a regular basis and they're consistent, you start to have really big benefits that start to show up. You know, when I first, I I got into naturopathic medicine back when I I grew up as a total bubble boy. I was like, had anaphylaxis to a ton of things. I was on Ventolin inhalers. I'd end up in the hospital in an oxygen tent as a kid once in a while from asthma attacks. And um, it wasn't until I was in my early 20s when I actually saw a naturopathic physician and I got all this stuff checked out. I changed my diet dramatically for about eight months and literally everything just started to fall away. My, I didn't require antihistamines anymore. I didn't require um, the steroid inhalers and my allergies just disappeared. Like it just all kind of diffused out. Right. Because I totally changed my internal environment. And then that gave me so much more resilience to interact with my, my world with. And now I don't have to be as strict on everything because I've, I've, you know, you build your internal resilience and then the idea is not to live in a bubble all the time, but to know yourself well enough that you know what you can engage in, how much you can, you know what your body's telling you when you've gone a little too far and how to kind of pull back. You know, I feel like you want to have a good optimal zone with some strong buffer so that you don't so quickly jump into being in excess or being in deficient, which I think most people function at a very small level of okay. And then there's a problem. You want to have a lot of resilience. That's how I think we really live a more uh, full and robust life. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I can talk to that about my headaches. You know, I, I started headaches when I was really little. My first word actually was Heka with my parents that I had a headache. You know, I'm three years old and I'm like, Heka, Heka. And I've always been plagued with headaches. And one of the things that happened when I made these changes and the changes are, you know, sleep, clean hydration, meditation, you know, exercise and, and fairly clean eating. You know, did I have pizza yesterday? Sure. With my kids, I got teenage boys. Of course I'm going to have pizza, you know, but I know how much I can have. And I know like if I have pizza and then we go out for ice cream, I'm going to get a headache, like things like that. But I also think it's slowing down enough and looking at, like, I took a, just a regular old notebook and I wrote down what I ate all week. And I'm like, huh, you know what, when I have these things, I had a headache that night. 
Like, and instead of looking at like my cocktail of, well, leave Advil, like Tylenol, you know, I have my little like shelf there. I don't need my shelf anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah. it's been fascinating to go. I still do everything that I like to do. I just do it differently. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can say I really added in was daily meditation. Like that one was something that I actually added to my day, but we're talking five, 10 minutes. I'm not sitting there on top of a mountain, you know, these little things. And it also calmed, it just calmed everything down. Yeah. I think uh, meditation is a, a part of my life and my wife's life. Uh, it's actually become a I would say over the past several years, that whole journey has become a, a big part and even delving into what lies much beyond the physical. Because I also just have seen over and over again from a health perspective that when you get into the world of like spontaneous healing and these times things, kind of things. It doesn't come from the physical. Very few come. Even when you look at books like Radical Remission and where they looked at, you know, 5,000 or more cases of terminally ill patients when that had spontaneous healings or radical remission, they were looking at what were the criteria? You know, is there a recipe that right. we can follow? And I think two or three of them were in the physical. All the other ones were more tied to mental, emotional, spiritual, like these, these higher, more abstract bodies of health that act as the blueprint for the physical body. So you want to you want to treat the physical body and take care of it. And, you know, this is where I'll look at like, where are you out of balance? Is there specific biochemical patterns that are making you more susceptible? Can you support mm -hmm. those? But if you can do that in conjunction, and, and I would say ultimately for real healing to occur, you need to do it in conjunction with working on these other layers because they are the foundation that trickles down. And I would say literally everything, you know, in different systems of medicine have even focused on that new German medicine and biological decoding. They look at there is always an unresolved conflict that unless that gets resolved, it will keep creating the blueprint for the problem that we're going through. Right. Right. I mean, I, I think it's fascinating. Um, the other, the other thing that you talked about, you know, I want to just talk a little bit um, before we end the show about high vibration because high vibration has been the most fun part of my healing journey. Like I didn't know how you could see me changing. Like when I just even talk about it, when you put yourself in a high vibration state, like just how great you feel, but what does that do for your body? Well, I, and I think like high vibration, <clears throat> it's not this sort of, you know, thing that we try to push ourselves into so much. I, I really think it's showing up in the world, right. being very real, um, you know, really knowing ourselves, not censoring ourselves in a lot of ways that I think knocks us down um, and embracing life. And when you look at it from a state of consciousness, it's like boxes that you're living in, right? So when you move from, say, a state of consciousness that might be what we would consider low vibration or low frequency, something like you're in a state of fear or you're in a state of apathy or guilt or shame or something like this that are ones that are really that grab you by the heels and pull you down, that's the lens you see the world with. So it's how you feel. And then we see that that's a projection out. We see everything through that lens. So if we're in a state of fear, then we see a fear, fearful world. Yeah. Everything is that. That's the way we interact with it. You're going to go on a vacation. If you're still in that state, you're thinking of all the problems that are going to take place, right? 
if you can move into a higher vibrational state or a higher state of consciousness, maybe you move up to something like willingness or enthusiasm, or maybe as high up to like love, which is these fields get much, much bigger. And, it, and it's literally like a logarithmic scale. So every jump is a massive, big step in a, in a, in a larger reality. When you make these steps, you are literally living in a much more expanded field of consciousness. There are more possibilities mm -hmm. there for us to land on that are we're not privy to when we are in a smaller state of consciousness. So when you make a leap like that, you open yourselves up to totally new possibilities that you were not available to you in a smaller state. So when we talk about healing, what you might require to heal is not going to exist here. But as soon as you make a step up to here, now you've incorporated those aspects or those possibilities that you could land on, right? You move up to here and all of a sudden, again, more possibilities. And so from a health perspective, this is where I feel like, you know, if you just move, like we know, even like states of gratitude, you turn on a lot of different biochemical pathways that then make very different physiological changes in your body. Usually cortisol and stress hormones drop, anti-aging hormones increase. You usually optimized levels of things like serotonin and dopamine and GABA and all these neurotransmitters help us feel and interact with our world in a different way. So to me, it's like, it's such a powerful way to create change in our body, but, but it's also then not to get it sort of addicted to it, thinking that we have to always be here because then we sort of put pressure on ourselves. And this right. is sort of where we get caught up in like, oh, then like feeling this is bad. It's like, it's not bad. It's like, if you're human, you're going to have an array of experiences. But I think what happens is the more that we learn to stay with it and, and love ourselves regardless, we burn through them faster and we come out of them when we don't sort of lament and ruminate and things. And so we, we live then naturally more up here because we're not getting stuck down so much. Oh, I love that. I love that. So if you guys loved what you heard today, go to drjasonloken.com. It's spelled J-A-S-O-N. Loken is spelled L-O-K-E-N. Drjasonloken.com. There's so many cool things to do on his site. He has his own podcast. He's got books. He's got articles. There's so many things to know to your great health journey and may you find your optimal health. We'll be back again soon with another great episode. Thanks for tuning in to Military Mom Talk Radio. Want more information? Check us out at militarymomtalkradio.com or find us on iTunes for more than 500 free episodes. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to another great discussion. We hope you'll join us on Military Mom Talk Radio.